Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz, your fearless host, and welcome back to the podcast after a week off uh, due to, you know, scheduling issues, life, that sort of thing. We are back with a, another special episode uh, with filmmaker Richard Linklater. Uh, of course, if you're a movies fan, you know uh, who this guy is. He is... Um, no man is, is more synonymous with independent filmmaking uh, from uh, Slacker and Days to Confused uh, through the Before trilogy and all the way up to his new film, which is about to come out, which I cannot recommend highly enough. Uh, it's really one of the most special films I've seen in some time. It's called Boyhood. In a nutshell, 12 years are chronicled in the course of Boyhood. It is uh, a film about a family and most specifically about a kid growing up. We watch a uh, young boy from the age of 7 through 19 uh, portrayed by uh, a young man named Eller Coltrane. And it is just a, a profound, um, really fascinating look at uh, a coming-of-age story as has never been told before. Uh, also features great performances from Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette as the, the uh, parents of the kid. And... Um, I got a chance to, to see this uh, for the first time at Sundance, where it debuted in January. I talked to Richard about this a little bit, and it was a really special night, and I know um, it's going to be something that people are talking about for years to come, much less the, the award season, where I think it will be very much part of the conversation, and deservedly so. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. Richard Linklater is a, a fascinating guy who has a lot of interesting things to say about the state of filmmaking today, uh, his own evolution as a filmmaker. He is uh, soft-spoken, humble, yet wise, and uh, he's got the goods. He's one of uh, our best filmmakers, so it's a real pleasure to sit down with someone as talented and thoughtful as he uh, as always, hit me up on Twitter, guys, at Joshua Horowitz. Check out all our fun stuff on MTV.com, uh, AfterHours.MTV.com for my comedic shenanigans. And, uh, and just check out all our good stuff. We're cranking away on uh, everything and anything in the world of pop culture. Uh, in the meantime, check out this new edition of Happy Sick Confused with the very talented, the very wise, Mr. Richard Linklater. Congratulations, though, on, on this film. I uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Um, I, I was there at Sundance mm -hmm. at, oh, that, well. at that crazy opening uh, <laughs> screening, which I don't know from my perspective, it's one of the the most thrilling experiences I've had as a as wow. a film goer. Um, can you sense what, what was that your was special? What was your experience at Sundance? Well, it's pretty incredible to you know the build up of this film over the years. Personally, you know the, the time invested in it. To feel that that connects and that resonates in some reciprocal manner, like you can't really see the movie and not feel that time. It's about that, right? You know, so many movies that I've done, I'm just trying to hide the effort. It's supposed to feel really natural, but you couldn't really hide it, even though the film's very intimate and kind of small in its scale. Yeah, it's a contradiction because it's really epic too at the same time. So it was felt great so far. You know, when people have seen it, to to get that to connect you know absolutely in that in that way for it to be kind of the spirit of what the film was trying to communicate to feel like that lands that's that's always satisfying was there an effort um in in the in the last few years because uh, to keep it somewhat secret or not because i remember like talking to i feel like i've interviewed you before i talked to ethan before yeah. and ethan kind of kept talking about it and i think those in the know film journalists like myself yeah. it, it sounded like such a tantalizing it bubbled up over the years right? 
Yeah, I mean, there was nothing to gain from talking about it. I, di- I didn't get anything out of talking about it. I downplayed it. I have friends still accusing me, like, hey, I asked you about that, and you said, oh, it's just this little... Because, I mean, I'll talk about things. You know, I'm not superstitious or any of that. I'll talk about what I'm working on next or whatever if I know. But um, this one, it was so... I guess the unknowable future, maybe, in a way, you felt a little... It just... There was never a film I wanted to talk about less <laughs> during its <laughs> making. And yet the word got out year one. I think someone's agent leaked the word that right. their client was in it. And then it was like, so it was there for those few who do their research. Right. So all the, however many films that came out in the meantime, often that last question is, what are you working on next? But it would all, now what's this film that's coming out in 2014 or 15 or whatever? Right. And I have to, oh, that's just this, you know. So it was an awkward spot to be in all these years, but were, were you confident throughout the the production that it was going to add up to something? Were there were there years where it felt like, wait, am I losing my focus? Is this meandering, or did it feel like, okay, I'm no. staying on track, and it feels like we're going to get there? It always felt, yeah, it was always going as planned. Technically, I think there was a few points early on that maybe I questioned the plan, like because I had bet the whole farm on collection of intimate moments right that that would add up to something that was just the tone that i knew so well but as you do it i remember i had a few moments like is this going to be enough are people going to be bored maybe they might be because this is just kind of little stuff of life you know why am i maybe i should be you know i never wavered i just i would go like okay and then i'd watch the three years first you know as we added i said okay no this is working exactly as planned just stick with your plan don't so sometimes I think there's a temptation in our culture, particularly, to just go big. You know, totally. We're Americans. We go big. <laughs> go big or go. We home. we go big. You know. So I didn't like. But this isn't. It is big. The the idea is big enough. Let's just keep it at the. You know. So if I ever had any wavering, it was it was at that very private conceptual right thing that I was going for. So, but I never wavered. It so, was never a. I never lost sleep. I just. You wouldn't be alive if you didn't have, you know, just a little bit of... Hmm. Well, well, because if, if this went through, and it never would, frankly, go through, quote-unquote, the studio system, something like this in this way, but, like, yeah. I guess, hypothetically, if it did, there you would imagine there would be conversations like, okay, where's the yeah. where's the deflowering scene? Where, where is... The... What, what are the stakes of the character? What, you know, they got to have stakes. What's <laughs> the... Why do we should we care about these people? You know, all the usual... Right jujitsu that you get through you know storytelling so a lot has been made about obviously how you know physically emotionally um your, your young actor change changes throughout the 12 years and obviously patricia and and ethan um but you know filmmakers evolve too do you feel like yeah. you, you are a much different filmmaker than you were 13 or 14 <laughs> years ago whenever you first started unfortunately this? no i haven't i haven't evolved at all <laughs> i don't think i that's think that shows in the work <laughs> no not on this film not on this film. Because the conscious effort was you had yeah. to... Yeah, I'm telling one story. I'm locked into early conception. If I evolved, it was, you know, in the other films maybe, but this was, you know, a director's job is the tonal, you know, consistency or, you know, storytelling. So, yeah, this one was never open for... Yeah, I didn't want to, oh, the film to look or feel different at right. the end. It's one sitting, one movie. So. Are, are there films you feel like have dealt with um, 
coming of age or the passage of time particularly mm-hmm. well in the outside of you know people reference and I love the Up series and in the yeah, fiction documentary, format yeah. documentary's done it well but what what are the Steve benchmarks James. for you in terms of um, the other side of filmmaking you know there's not a lot in the narrative realm I mean people point to the Truffaut one well you know but those are you know those films over an 18 20 year period that are wonderful but those are closer really to my before movies right you know, as far as these gaps in time and right. revisiting characters, I didn't, I didn't have any precedent, you know, for a narrative that was this incremental kind of longitudinal narrative thing. It felt uncharted. I expected to find out at this stage, someone show up and say, "Oh, well, there was this film from you know wherever that," right? You know, like, but it never happened. You know, it never. I mean, it, it initially, I thought, well, this is a very simple idea. I can't imagine it not having been done. Right. And now I, I'm at the end. I, I can tell you exactly why it hasn't been done. <laughs> <laughs> and in a nutshell, that would be or and, that a list of 10,000 things. I kind of doubt it will be done again. And I don't mean that in any other way except that it's such a wildly impractical idea <laughs> that so doesn't go with the psyche of most narrative storytelling right and as opposed to most filmmaking which is bottom line dollars and cents what is your return going to be this is based on trust and friendship and well and that's the practical side yeah Um, just the idea of relinquishing control because we're all control freaks right to relinquish control to an unknown future right I got no control I don't know anything can happen you know, it's how you view the world. What you know, you're collaborating with a very unpredictable, you know, partner here. Uh, predictable, but and unpredictable. Just like all of us, we go through lives. Like you have a general plan for your life. Sure. In general, you're aiming whether you get there. Eh, you know. Right. So it was one of those. It was like a life project. So it it would unnerve the the control element of any of us. So I just had to. That was just the design. It's also to tell this particular story. Yeah, it's also counterintuitive to where we're at now, which is like so much of, of media and pop culture is, is based on instant gratification. Yeah, and, and one one would imagine almost like conceiving of this today, like maybe, maybe it's a Netflix. Here. Maybe every year there's a ten yeah. minute segment on Netflix. Or well, I got like asked that. that a lot. Well, you know, and even IFC, they've they've forgotten this at this point. But like, hey, maybe we can show a little bit of it every like, right. No, are you crazy? <laughs> Like it's one film. Yeah. Don't need it. Well, you know, we got to justify our like we'll show. Like, there's nothing to show. It's one movie. So, you know, but they we haven't talked to that about that in nine years. You right. Know? <laughs> How much do you get jazzed by the fact that you are in relatively uncharted waters and that you you know I mean it's extremely difficult to break the form that we have watched in in cinemas for a hundred years now, and this is not. I know. I. I have to think about that. I mean, it, I lived it, but I always thought I'd be here with people telling me, you know, oh, it's been done, but it, it hasn't, like I said. And I have to think, I get asked, like, how'd you have the idea? And I, I gotta go, well, I'm the guy to actually have this very simple idea, you know, because yeah. I've spent my whole adult life thinking about narrative and time and storytelling. And then I actually had a very specific desire to make a film about childhood. Right. And my issue was the the time limitation based on the physicality of the actor so to transcend that and then I, I got to think about that for two years so my very simple idea would come out of my thinking about this right because it's kind of how I approach cinema and the 
my specific desire at that moment. So like like science or something, an idea kind of comes up out of problem solving, or, you know. So that was and and it's like I'm the scientist to to do it, right? Because I have spent thirty whatever years thinking about narrative storytelling and time specifically structural, right? You know these structural elements, you know. So I've kind of replaced plot with structure in in my cinema to, to whatever degree so it all makes sense that I, I would have this fundamentally very simple idea it's interesting also in that you know you've kind of come to the end of, of, of two sagas in the last year um, presumably uh, unless uh, another story yeah it's emerges. weird that these two came to similar within a year the two finish lines of these two kind of life projects yeah it that wasn't planned really I just you know started it became apparent like oh yeah and the 12 years is going to be done and that's Oh, they're kind of done around within. Is it scary to think that, like, okay, two, you know, I don't, you know, two of my magnum opuses, <laughs> two of the things that people are, you well, know, next, are, pressure are, exactly, nah. and it, no, because even within within all those times, look at all the other films, you know, I've done. So it's just the next story. So I don't. I mean, I, I'm kind of anti grandiose in my view of the world and what I'm doing. So yeah. Um, it all comes in retrospect. Like even the what I just said about I'm having to explain in retrospect what I was just doing on instinct. I don't even know if I'm the best narrator of that, but um, it's just the way it worked out. You know, like so much of life, it's just the way it's worked out so far. Got a lot of other movies I'm trying to make. Any any is Ho- um, hopefully bizarrely grandiose ideas as these last two. Yeah, in a strange way, I have a couple that are. Are, are unique in that way but maybe not quite as <laughs> I don't think the 12 year yeah that's that one's in its own category yeah I've had so many everything about it was different and continues to be you know and absolutely continues to be different than anything else it's just in its own category even processing it I talk about like the film's opening this Friday supposedly I don't feel like I'm done shooting like I I mean I know the film's done and all right. that effort but I haven't it's going to take even a year mentally, or two, I think, to, yeah. and I don't mean that in some weird nostalgic way. It's just kind of like, I don't, you know, it's just such a big part of life, and I don't really haven't fully processed it yet. Right. I you mean, know, where other films, I'm I'm so ready to move on, and I have here too, but it's just such a big thing in some weird way. I've just everything yeah. everything about it's been different on every emotional, technical right. level you can imagine, or if it is plain, if it's just your basic thing, you know, the martini shot. It, everything is that times 12. Right. So it's what you would normally have times 12. Right. How 12. do you feel about it? Times tw- it's that <laughs> times 12. And you get 12 rap parties. <laughs> yeah, 12 <laughs> mini rap parties. Um, it's interesting. I mean, this is coming out in, 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 the, in the heat of summer. I mean, I've, this, the kind of films I've been covering are, you know, lately a lot of blockbusters as comes in, in the summer. I mean, yeah, do, you, do you imagine, like, do you and Michael Bay do the same thing? We're another kind of, this is a different kind of epic. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is that rare thing, an indie epic. It's true, absolutely. Not a lot of those. Um, but, I mean, do you imagine that, that like, block, a blockbuster filmmaker like Michael Bay and you are, do you have the same job description? Do you consider yourself <laughs> having the same job? I don't know. Do you? I, 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 don't, I haven't thought about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're both film directors, that's right. for sure, so... Both end up with yeah, we're in the same world. Twenty minutes or so, in yeah, celluloid. Sometimes we're, celluloid. We're in the. I mean, we, yeah, we're we're closer than uh, myself and a 
or him, <laughs> you know, something from another world. Yeah. Right. Well, well, that shows you the realm of what films can be. Totally. I mean, are, are you, you know, would you consider yourself a film, I don't know, what, 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 I mean, how do you characterize your film taste and has it evolved over the years? Do you still look up new filmmakers, old filmmakers? I try you... to be, just anything old, you know. I mean, you can, the history of cinema is so vast, you know, I'm still filling in gaps, yeah. you know. I haven't seen every Bergman film. I haven't seen every Fassbender as much as I love, you know. Right. So there's there's historical gaps. And then, you know, you get older and you realize, okay, I've got limited time. Right. You know, it's the thing about hitting 50. You're like, well, I can't just... Yeah, I was going to get to that, mm-hmm. but I've been almost going to get to that for 20-something years. I better either get to it, but it just makes your time kind of precious. Sure. You know, and you realize, well, do I really have two and a half hours for that film that in a genre that's really not... Or should I, you know download this and what you know so selective do you think do you, I mean you know you're you're a young man still but do you do you think that like in your 60s or 70s you can be a true independent filmmaker is it tough to sort of remain on the fringe or on the on the yeah, outside looking in I think in a, in a way it's gotten even easier in a way I mean the categories are more separate when I first started there was a kind of this blurry line between sure. studio you know they were given Indie guys, you know, I got to make Daisy and Fuse as my next film after Slacker. That didn't didn't happen anymore. You know, they don't see a film at Sundance and you get to make something that's just kind of like it, your next film at a studio. It's like, oh, you can get hired to do the franchise film, but they're not going to let you do your kind of movie at a studio. So you just, you stay in that indie camp or you don't and you, yeah, I don't, it's, it's just different. It's a different time but do you worry that we're thankfully losing? there's that there's that room in the indie side of it. It, it but it's changed a lot quite a bit too it's harder to get the film seen and absolutely distributed properly and i mean do, do you worry that we're losing some of our finest like independent voices too i mean like you know I, you know i grew up with star wars and i'm thrilled when someone like ryan johnson or gareth edwards signs on to new star wars films but at the same time i'm kind of like split on it because these are such unique yeah. voices and i'd like to see them create something new um, yeah it's always been like that people are just going to be what they're going to be I mean you, you you know some people it's just how you see yourself yeah. you know and I don't I know enough not to judge anyone you sure. don't know what cards anyone's carrying like you know the guys who made that indie film because that's what they could make and then their real vision was to do this big series and they do a great job of it. It's like, well, that's where you're meant to be. Right. I have a lot of friends and I'm never disappointed because I think that's where they always saw themselves. Right. So they're actualizing who they, you know... They actually want. Yeah. And if you really talk to those guys, you don't really hear them say a lot. I say those guys, you know, whoever is in that position. They're not going, oh, I miss my indie. Like, indie was just... That was, that was the stepping getting me to started. Get to, yeah. You know, that's but I really do see myself at this level. I never had that. I never really saw. I, I always knew I had a lot of these kind of intimate films that I was just hoping to get made and always could try to be sp- aspiring to. Mine's the other way. I occasionally have a bigger budget thing that requires that kind of thing or something I can come aboard and bring myself to. So do you feel like you've ever taken on a project directed a film for the wrong reasons or have you been able to... I don't, no. No, I, I feel really clean that way that I haven't um, thus far... I've just been lucky. I've never been in a position where I had to. Right. I mean, I've probably been in a position 
if I thought in more careerist terms, I probably should have. But I always kind of go the other direction at those crucial moments. I, ne- I never really, I never did anything in reaction to something else. Right. You know, so I was always just like, what do I feel like I need to do next? And was lucky, even though there were times when I was definitely sat on the bench and couldn't get financing and a year goes by or two years it, it, that's frustrating right then you realize okay I'm just out of sync I can't you know it is scary to think like you, you, there, there are filmmakers out there who were obviously the environment was much different 10 or 15 years ago but like I think yeah. of a filmmaker like John Sales who it's like I know he's still making movies but yeah. the, but the distribution is he's oh, gone yeah. for them it's just where and the audiences too you know I don't know if young people are seeking out those indie films the way you know, we did at certain eras. They're just sort of a given, you know. They're, they're right. taken for granted in a way. The culture's gotten just bigger and bigger. Does the size of the screen matter to you? I Does think it's harder to have an impact with indie films for them to be part of the cultural. What people think are indie, they're really not. You know, if you look at, like, the Oscar-caliber indie films, they're not. They're the, the exact film studios used to make. Right. They had a category for the quirky art, you know. Right. But now those are the indie films. It's like, no. The indie films are one step beyond that. And they right. don't have stars and they don't have budgets over ten million and they don't have that kind of backing and that you know, so there's this whole realm that's getting largely ignored. So that's the area that I I'm worried about the most. Does does the size of the screen matter to you? Does it matter to you that you're that that a lot of the small these films are now VOD, that's their destination and that's where they're gonna be seen? We knew that day was coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, as a filmmaker, particularly on something like this, you know, I like the the intimacy of boyhood being shared by 30 Absolutely. to 300 to 1,000 people. I like that feeling because there's a commonality. It's so much about life and community and family. and So we all fantasize about, yeah, I want it to be seen on a screen big. So, but it's kind of a delusion, even a successful theatrical run it's still going to be yeah. primarily consumed at a home but I, I still I'm old school that way I don't I still think of it in a, in a theater probably always will just because I'm sort of programmed that way but I I mean in my heart of hearts sometimes I'm making a film like I remember even during Scanner saying well this is kind of a <laughs> I saw somebody some 20 year old watching it alone at 2 in the morning and they're you know, I just right. knew that was probably its fate. <laughs> but I still like the idea of, a, sure. you know, I just... But I kind of like that, too. Yeah. You know, I never saw Videodrome in the theater, actually. Right, nor, nor did I. I saw it on video, which is perfect. <laughs> you know, I'm just going way back to yeah. an early example. But it's a, it's a, it's okay. You just want people to watch it. You, Do you, know? it's you, a, you don't mind people catching up with it. People have pretty good home systems now. It's not so bad. This is true. Um, it feels like I mean correct me if I'm wrong I feel like you have a sense of responsibility and kind of passing on knowledge to the next generation it seems like you've made a, a, an effort to <laughs> to talk to younger audiences and to, to, to talk about how you did it and how it's important to you know try your own path I mean do, do you feel kind of a responsibility in el- as elder statesman status where you're at now <laughs> <laughs> I'm slow to acknowledge elder statesman I still figure <laughs> But no, I've met enough filmmakers now. Like, hey, I saw that film when I was in the, some of the ages just get younger, and you go, "Wow, I'm the old guy in the room." How'd that happen? Yeah, <laughs> that's what boyhood's all about. But uh, time flies, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know. 
Yeah, you know, I've always felt that connection to filmmakers, just anyone getting their films made. I think there's that kind of acknowledgement. So if I can be helpful, or you kind of learn from others' experiences, or I did, Mm -hmm. tried to. So that can be helpful. I think the thing I, I, I try to give back, the realm I try to, if it's called giving back or sharing, is in the probably just film history you know like I hosted an 80s series recently in Austin my film society that started 28 years ago or whatever you know I just showed films from the 80s that I remember when I was first falling in love with cinema I just went 80 to 83 I showed 15 films and just talked about the circumstances of you know what was going on what I was thinking you know so I realized there's a bunch of young people out there who A haven't seen the films haven't seen them on film showing 35 millimeter prints so that's the area I try to Concentrating, it's really more um, just watching movies. That's where I feel most comfortable. Right. Not talking about myself and my experiences so much, but really just sharing the film yeah. world in general. Any way I can contribute there to just general uh, general love of cinema area. That's where I feel most comfortable. Is uh, is baseball still as much a, a passion, a love in your life as <laughs> as it was as a as a kid? No. No. no, I mean, how could it be? You know, I mean, I really, from the age 20, when I quit playing baseball, I really gave it near a second thought for 20 years, you know. But then I realized, oh, I, got a, I had some land, I got a pitching machine. I just enjoyed hitting, but it's not a big, I haven't watched a complete baseball game. Really? No, nah, I'm not, I'm not a super fan. Was it, was it more? I know it's represented in my things and it's yeah. out there. And I have a movie that actually has to do with guys on a baseball team, but it's really just a swirl of my own past or something but it's not I'm not a huge sports fan are you generally a nostalgic guy do you think back to whether it's if I am it's with mixed feelings I never think there was a better time in the past I really don't it like personally or in the culturally but I find myself thinking that just in this conversation like I think the 80s and 90s it was a better time for indie filmmaking there there were all these theatrical experiences and these you know, it wasn't. It was a little more wide open, a little more. But it felt shitty at the time. You know, I mean, it did. We never. I mean, not filmmakers that are contemporaries of mine, we run at each other, and we just go, "Whoa, it's gotten so hard." And I said, "Yeah, we got lucky. Yeah, by birth order, you know, we ended up in an era, got a lot of films made that would never get made today. So I feel nothing but grateful and lucky in that regard. But at the time, it wasn't. At all. the time, it was one big struggle. <laughs> sure. You know, so that's. You never know what you have, but you hope the culture's moving in the, right, <laughs> the better direction. But in some areas, it just doesn't. Like, yeah. politically, I'm old enough to go take the optimism of the 70s. As crazy as the 70s were, you know, just the, the all the progress that you felt was being made in general. Right. To feel that go the other direction. Yeah. And I lived through the Reagan 80s, where it went the other direction, and we're in that world now on so many racial issues just everything like the return of just that kind of racism we just thought that would drug legalization it was such an optimistic view of the future right but having lived through a from an adult perspective to see things go the other direction you can kind of go well wow what would it have lived to you know such great cultures as you know think of western europe and in the 20s and 30s and to realize oh we are self-destructing right and to see that from an adult perspective, like, 
we are going to the dark side. This this is happening. What a horrible feeling, right? <laughs> so I don't feel that way about the U.S. It, to that degree. But you do see things. You go, wow, it's really kind of a lot worse. Yeah. The political spectrum's a lot worse. I can look at, you know, just the way politics operated back then was a lot more productive. You know, a lot more. I mean, now it feels feels just kind of ugly. Horrible. It is. I mean, there's silver linings. I mean, Doma yeah, yeah. and I mean, gay marriage, obviously. Oh, and, so much. You know. It's getting. That's what's the weird thing. It's to know things are getting better. I mean, it's we're so much better. So many areas. Yeah. But then there are these specific things that just kind of drive you crazy. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. It's a. It's, but you realize it's always been like this. This push pull, two steps forward, one back on on almost every issue. But no, we're it's 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 getting better in so many. Very important areas Absolutely. when it comes to like human and you know just extension of rights. And, Absolutely, I don't know. Um, going back to the, the the career for a second, I'm curious. Like, are you surprised by the the films that that have seemed to have resonated most with audiences in your own career? I mean, do they jive with what you view as your greatest successes? The ones that others deem your greatest successes feels arbitrary. Not really. Does it feel like things just come in and out of favor over time, and maybe really. in twenty years, suddenly the Newton Boys will be the classic that people didn't recognize at the time? You know, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> that that film should get re-released. Actually, it really should. That was one that was, was just timing wise. It end. was sort of at that very. You know, that's what's great about films. You have your the moment of your making and your coming out, and then you have your eternal moment. Yeah, and so. You know, any student of film history knows, you know, like, oh, Wizard of Oz wasn't a hit? How could that be? It's like, it's it's a little corny. For 1939, (laughs) but then two years later, you really get the pure sentiment behind it, and it's beautiful. Yeah. But maybe at the time, you know, same with uh, Wonderful Life, same with so many movies, and you never know how something's going to age or... connect and win or ever you know you just it's a complete crapshoot and likewise the films that are so huge as we all know eh, you know time isn't always good to them so yeah. it's always been kind of fun oh. but as a you know when people come up and say hey I really like and they pick up one of the more obscure titles out of the thing it's always kind of special when they go oh, I really love that or I love that so well, last thing for you um, I mean when you look back at, at, at you know your time on film sets. Is that the mm-hmm. happiest time? Is yeah. It, is it shooting? Yeah. Yeah, it's that relation with... Yeah, when I think back um, on those films, it's really the experience. Yeah, like the final film is... It's almost abstract. I mean, I can... I know it so well, but it's kind of like... That's not... You can't feel a physical thing. You can right. feel like something you experienced. Yeah. That you have all these human connections to. And that's the crew and the cast and the vibe that was created for that particular film that's that's the absolute best yeah. you know that's the special you know the people you worked with and you know it's kind of like you know help people feel that way about maybe people they grew up with or they fought in the war with or they worked with it. you know you have these kind of special bonds sure so I've been lucky to have that with all these films so that's that's always the finished film is just kind of what it is you know you can't 
Well, it's similar to what you were saying uh, on the last note in terms of like experiencing the film from an audience perspective. Yeah. As I said, as I started, you know, that Sundance film going experience, what was so special was, yeah, you felt like you'd been through something with <laughs> 500 people in that audience. That's something very profound, frankly. That's and, pretty cool. I yeah. had a lot of those in my life that I was there that screening for that. You know, so it's, it's really flattering for me to hear that something I would work on could have that kind of resonance in someone else's life, but it's hard to it's hard to relate that in a way. You have to kind of be a part of that. But. Um, thanks for your time today. Yeah, really good talk. Really appreciate it.